the Boy Hattie Podcast. I'm Annie. I'm Bill. We're here to talk to y'all about some latest garbage in the world. Welcome of pop to culture. our super low energy 10 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday <laughs> pre church podcast. I made Bill get up early to do this podcast because uh, I have a Lego date with Brenna today. What are you she's guys going to do? Uh, she's going to come over, we're going to play with Lego, and she's going to take photos of my Lego. Uh, doing and... what? Fisting? Let's see, I officially now have, hold on, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, Are you counting the number of orgasms you've had over over Lego? 39 Lego animal people in my town. Wait, how did you get all those figures? Uh, so... I have officially purchased all of the Lone Ranger Lego sets except for one. Well, you know what? You may be the first person to have done that. <laughs> I also have bought a lot, a- almost all of the figures from the uh, 90s Western Lego set that Lego very briefly had. Wait, how you, did you been scouring eBay or something? Uh, mostly actually Guardian Games down the street from my workplace has a bulk of them. They have like 15-year-old Western Lego sets? They well, all they don't have the sets. They have a bunch of figures just floating around that they sell. Oh, so you can. So uh, are those like from like open sets? Because I don't know. Yeah. I don't know much about Lego. They have I don't know if you could. Well, I, I didn't I realize mean, you could buy individual figures by themselves. Well, nowadays you can. You can buy just little mini fig, like they're like mini bi- fig mi- blind bag things. But oh, really? they a lot of the stuff that um, Guardian Games has is just old Lego sets they bought at garage sale that they're reselling. Oh wow! So but, it's kind of like. Uh, Oh, that, that that actually sounds pretty interesting. I didn't realize they sold secondhand stuff. I thought it was all brand new merchandise. Well, they do primarily, but they've got a bunch of random Lego. For the Lego fiends out there. Exactly. So, um, I also have discovered that, I, though I've not been yet, that there is a chain of aftermarket Lego stores called Bricks and Minifigs. Wait, here in town? There's one in Canby, and there's one in Beaverton, I want to say. What the hell? Is this... I gotta go. I, mean, I hate to assume this is a recent thing because my own, my eyes have not have only been relatively recently open to the whole crazy Lego collectors market. But I wonder if that store has been around or if that's just with you know as a result of the Lego boom in the last like like five years or it's it's I think it was like founded in like two thousand and six. So what do they sell? They do aftermarket Lego. Aftermarket, so secondhand stuff, not like bootleg Lego stuff, right? No, no. Though I have, all, I did officially get my first package of bootleg Lego stuff. <laughs> what did you get? I got. Let's see. Oh let me God. see if I can even. Dis- they're really nicely done. Annie, so this is the best. I, I love that we're having this conversation. So the, I bought. Uh, these guys make these little cowboy hats, so now I have some extra cowboy hats. Aww. They do them in a variety of colors. Are th- so are those copies of Lego designed cowboy hats, or do these guys kind of created their own Lego hats to begin with? Well, the whole idea of this is that it kind of fills in the gaps in the Lego line. So, like, they do... There's a huge market, of course, of people who do Lego, like, war stuff. So, yeah, like, World War II, stuff, yeah. ki- uh, like, Korean War and Vietnam War and all Man, that garbage. I, I never thought about actually people making dioramas based off of real wars. Yes. Because that's... It, that's it's it. huge, dude. There's a lot of, like, modern warfare. That is a weird like, confluence shit. of history buff... And Lego nerd, where like you're gonna be like, okay, I'm gonna pay tribute to all the fallen Korean War veterans out there this Memorial Day by here's my to- set of toys. 
set up in this battle honoring uh, the, the, the yes, righteous Yes, Bill. Dead. The idea that war enthusiasts would collect and assemble small replicas of war stuff is just but astonishing. Lego stuff! It's, it's one thing! If I want to if I want to make a memorial for all these people who have fallen in these Star Wars by re- re- replicating the uh, you know second death star attack. But it's I love that, it. Like... I love that to you it is it because it was Memorial Day recently that you can't help but think that it's like to pay tribute that it's not just someone who's really into history and war and just wants no, to play around like, with No, but like if toys. you're going to do something like about like you know that 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 like you know here's my Lego recreation of the Tet offensive. Bill, you need to understand that my furry Lego Western town is a 100% tribute to the trials and tribulations of the settlers who, who settled this brave land of ours. It's a documentary, my friend. Have you made a Settlers of Catan? Or not Settlers of Catan. What's the Oregon, Oregon Trail Lego <laughs> set? You could you could probably kitbash one together with all the Lone Ranger stuff you've bought. but I, I'm trying... So... Uh, no, I'm not. Gonna Man, this really is turning into a Lego podcast, which I'm not so complaining. Anyway, you know what the world see, could probably got, use in new uh, Lego podcast. I got a little Lego Derringer, like it's so small. Oh, is that secondhand? It. It's a, like a tiny little handgun. I got a buffalo rifle. I got some sombreros. Oh this shit man, is this shit. Is, is there a temptation hook. to at least make a tiny little Red Dead Redemption? When we no, met, we joked buy. about that last week, but like. There's Even a if it's dude like who's t- selling a yeah. a little uh, John Marston minifig, custom minifig, for fifteen bucks. Could you commission him to make a Bonnie? Bonnie was it? Wait, what, what was her name? Was, was it Bonnie, Bonnie McFarlane? Bill? Oh wait, who's Bonnie Wright? <laughs> I was gonna say, is Bonnie... Bonnie Wright a singer? Wait, is but wait, did Bonnie Wright not play Ginny uh, Weasley? <laughs> oh no, you're correct. Bonnie Wright is. Ginny How do Weasley. I know her name? I don't know, Bill. This is... <laughs> she got such a silly face. She looks like my mom, and that's disconcerting. Anyway, I want Harry so, Potter to date my mom. Uh, yeah, my Lego uh. town is booming, so Brenna is going to come over, and we're going to play with Lego. It's going to be a lot of fun. Is she not? Is she the one uh, reporting for the Quidditch World Cup right now? Yes. Well, not Bunny Wright, but uh, well, you never Ginny, know. She may Ginny have actually Potter, had a head injury, correct. and she thinks she's there right now. Have you been keeping oh, up to man. date on 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 the road to the cup this summer? As J.K. Rowling desperately tries to get people to read Pottermore, I was video uh, video chatting with my mom the other day, and she complimented me on my shirt, and I was like, "Oh, thank you! It's a Chudley Cannon shirt." She just looked at me like, "Who the fuck are the Chudley Cannons?" I was like, "Mom." Ron Weasley's favorite Quidditch team, and that was it. My mom was like, Annie Maloney, you it's been 30 cool. years, and you out-nerded me. I can't. I just can't follow you on this journey. You're on your own now. My, I mean, you know what? I'm actually kind of surprised your mom didn't know who the Chudley Cannons were. Despite... That was, I was actually kind of hurt. <laughs> she is Annie Maloney's mom, and that seems to be like, I don't see how you can be friends with Annie Maloney or be related to Annie Maloney and not know who the Chudley Cannons are. She knows way too much Middle Earth lore to flick any shit at me. Oh, really? I'm just saying. Apparently she was a Tolkien fan. She was a Tolkienist, my friend. Of course yeah. she was. What does she think about the movies? She enjoys them very much. She was the one who made me watch The Hobbit. Uh, does she care? Oh, what? The, the, the cartoon or the new one? Then she last time she visited, she brought the Hobbit with her so we could watch. The oh, so she's oh, so she digs the movies then too, the live action stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Anyway, so uh, continue. Still sober. Still tumbling down the Lego well. Uh, the question is, will I still be obsessed enough to go to the Lego convention in Seattle in October? That'll be the question. Is he seriously thinking about it? Right now at this moment, yes. If it's just a three-hour drive up there. Do you, Why not? Like, like you can visit people you know up in Seattle and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, that, <laughs> who wants to come look at Legos with me? No one? Talk uh, shit. See you next time, maybe. Legos, and, uh, like, I can't imagine people hating on Legos enough not to want to go to Lego. Just even step foot in the Lego <laughs> convention for six seconds. You think from just uh, from a anthropological point of view it would be uh, fun just to go to Lego convention just to see what the fuck it is. Well, it's interesting because I've never been to a convention where I don't really have some sort of stake in the culture around Yeah. It. Like, I've only been to comics and gaming conventions. Which sounds and... kind of good, actually. Sounds kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, because when I've... It's it's one thing to feel alienated from the culture when you're part of the culture of a yeah. convention. But it's... I think, imagine it'd be totally different to feel alienated when you're not part of the culture. Although you're kind of like... playing with some risky stakes there, because you're risking going there and being, like, doubly <laughs> alienated from, like... See, that's like, the thing, Because, yeah. like, imagine being a woman at a Lego convention could even be worse than being a lady at, a, like, a comic book or a video game convention, but... I think, worst case scenario, people are gonna think I'm someone's mom. Really? Which I'm... Someone's whatever. mom? Well, I guess There's... you are old enough now. Yeah, you could... Oh, you mean, like, kids. Like, someone's kid's mom. Yes. Yes. You're not gonna have, it's... like, a 35-year-old man coming up to you and saying, are you my mom? Yeah. Well, they the this is it's a show where they actually do have a lot of kids to come. See, that's you know that's Lego. actually pretty. Hopefully, that means it's pretty inclusive. But yeah, someone probably yeah, I could totally see someone thinking that you're just you're you're just there and your kids off like at the Lego construction corner, like kind of. Like, um, excuse me, kids. no, I'm here to buy a replica. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 I need a duster for my cowboy thing. Uh, let show. me know, man. I want someone. I want to. I want to commission someone to start making Dark Tower Lego products for me. <laughs> Dude, kinda... I started so now that I've purchased like almost all the bods of that I can find of yeah. these figures, I, I started reaching out to other lines. Like I actually have um uh uh Mr uh Dr. Jones Senior, his his jacket is now the doctor of the town. Wait, where did you did you have to buy like an Indiana Jones kit to get that figure? No, I bought the figure separately at at Guardian Games. Oh, so you they're actually so they actually it's for some reason I was picturing like the secondhand minifigures kind of just being a blind box and you're just kind of like like here's a big box of just random figures you just like, you know, maybe they're 50 cents a piece. I didn't realize they were like labeled so you know exactly what figure you're buying, too. Well, they're like there are premium figures that oh, are I can desirable imagine, yeah. and then there's well, random I shit. know cuz cuz oh, that's why I'm so surprised to find out that they sell minifigures separately. Uh, even officially, official, you know, first-hand Lego sales is because I know uh, rare minifigures, that's how they justify people, that's how they, they try to lure, uh, Lego tries to lure people into buying specific sets is by making yeah. minifigures specific to this, like, $200 set. And... Well, they don't, they don't sell all figures separately. Oh, well, I know they don't sell them all, but I'm kind of surprised they would even sell even some of them. Just, well, I guess, I guess, I guess it's nice to, like, have some stock figures you can buy individually. Exactly. So but. fully, very cutely, yesterday we got the, we put together one of the last sets, this yeah. Colby City shootout that has a bank and a sheriff's office. So fully built one and I built the other and we had a lot of fun. We were building it while watching the Lego movie. We uh. had a lot of fun. It was a very Lego-centric day. But what was really cute is afterwards we're kind of putting things together and I set up this, now it's officially a sprawling vignette on my desk. She just kind of goes... What if I had Viking werewolf Legos from my desk? <laughs> like, she gonna yes! do that? 
Yes. Well, there was very briefly a Viking Lego uh, series in the in the aughts. So uh, I could see yeah. Lego. I could see Vikings not necessarily being that popular with kids. Yeah, they didn't. It did not last very long. Because Vikings are yeah, a little weird, but you know. But the off-market uh, Lego sets thing—they make some Lego, some Viking parts. So we're in. So you we're know in. the best thing about this, if you get tired of 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 the dioramas and stuff that you've built, you could say, "Fuck it, I've got all this Western shit." Suddenly, oh fuck it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid Lego diorama. Exactly. Except they're all animals. Ah, eh? uh, you know, it's Butch. It's uh, you know, it takes place in a furry universe. What right. animals would Butch and Sundance be? Boy, that's a question I've never asked. I don't know if I want to answer. Thank you. Is there a furry species generator online? There has to be like a person on Oracle, their website, where the, like they're they kind of like their their notoriety stems from the fact that they're really good at guessing what celebrities, <laughs> what species a celebrity would be. Uh, for like anyway, for, like, for let's furry about, art. And, you let's, know. let's move on from actual Lego. No, well, you know, well, the funny thing is, like, well, uh, going just a little bit more about Legos. Uh, you uh, two weeks ago pointed out to me that the new Ghostbusters Lego set would be on sale uh, on June first, which happens yeah. to be today. And uh, I just happened to remember that at last night because of uh, a friend of the podcast, uh, Phil Theobald from the Player One podcast. He mentioned he had just. I guess he was waiting for midnight to roll around, which uh, I guess I guess the Ghostbuster Lego set went on sale at like 9 p.m. last night because I guess uh-huh. you know, they timed their midnight sales to like uh, East Coast. And sure. he was tweeting about that. And I was like, oh, shit, that's right. I got to get my hands on that, that Ghostbusters uh, Lego set. So, yeah, I pulled the trigger on that. But then <laughs> so but there was this they had this uh, a special where. Uh, the, the Ghostbusters Lego set is $50, and, and it has all four Ghostbusters, and the big part of the set is, is their car, the Ecto-1. Yeah. But if you spent that, okay, so that's 50 bucks. but if you spend $75, you get a free clown salesman kit, where it's like this <laughs> little guy, it's completely generic, it has nothing to do with Ghostbusters. It's this mini kit where it's this clown, or it's 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 this balloon salesman with his little balloon cart with all these little plastic balloons that like float up off of the... Uh, the, like, off that the kit. upsell convinced you to spend $15 more. No, that's why I was kind of looking around to see, well, I wonder <laughs> if there's anything else kind of cool that's $25. You know, because I, the, the, I need you because yeah, it was $75 you had to spend in order to get that one thing for free. And, like, so I started, like, poking around the Lego website. I was looking at Star Wars stuff, and it's part of me realized I'm not going to go out of my way to spend an extra $25 just to get a free balloon salesman. <laughs> needed that little i would have told you just to pick me up a legend of chima accessory pack, well that's what i was friend. you know i was even thinking about that because i was looking at the chima stuff just to see if there was anything in there that i thought would be funny to get you as a gift but that i i would think that maybe you didn't have and i couldn't find anything that like kind of like like struck that chord in me and so i said finally said fuck it okay i'm just getting the goddamn like okay uh, the ghostbusters kid get the fuck out of here and, well, the, good on you for resisting the well upsell, the funny thing friend. is too because now i'm a lego vip card carrying uh, a very important person with lego people so am i Oh, you did that? Which, if you're going to buy all this Lego, makes sense. Well, so because I've bought so much Lego stuff recently. Not even that I've bought that much stuff, but I did buy the big, like, $200 Simpsons set and the the, the Back to the Future set. Those two things got me, like, $20 worth of credit. And so the the new Ghostbusters kit was only, like, $30. Oh, I'm glad. So thank you, Annie, for... I like how we're both kind of like mutually flating each other about like it's okay, Lego's good, it's a good hobby to have. It's right. I'm so hey, proud dude, of you. It's 
It's better for me than drinking. That's all that matters. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, and it's, 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 I was reading about Miyazaki stuff this week, and uh, I, I forgot that how much of a toy and, like, toy train collector he is, and he's all into toys and stuff like that, and it's easy to forget that a lot of people have ridiculous little toy hobbies like this. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's there's nothing wrong with it. It's totally cool as long as it doesn't take over your life or anything like that. It's a fun yeah. it's a fun hobby. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cute. Ain't nothing wrong with little things that make you happy. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Yeah. As long as yeah. So, Bill, tell me about Watchdogs. <sighs> do you care about Watchdogs? No. There's not you know there's actually not a lot to say about Watchdogs. What what? How do you feel about it? It really is just the stereotype that everyone's been saying is it's Grand Theft Auto with hacking, like magic hacking, and that's really all it is. It's 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 not bad. It's just it's a lot of people seem to be confounded by the game because it's a it's a well built game. It's 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 from a technical perspective, it's well done. At least the console version. Supposedly the PC version's a disaster, uh, which is weird because you think the like PlayStation Four and Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty versions would be maybe not a direct port, but close enough that mm-hmm. you know you think you think that they would have had the PC version nailed down, and then then they would just take that and port that to the consoles. But I guess maybe maybe it was just designed for uh, next gen consoles first and everything else second. But yeah, no, it really is. Um, when they first announced Watch Dogs, I don't, did we talk about this much on the podcast last week about how? Uh, well, at least I thought it was just going to be, like, a stealth game. I thought it was essentially going to be Assassin's Creed, where you have an open world, but you you would mostly be on foot, and it'd be mostly about the stealth stuff. But no, really, it is. You spend va- the vast majority of your time in this game in cars, getting chased, stealing cars. It really is oh, just seriously? Yeah, with, like, mm. and... Which is funny, because that's the reason why I wound up picking up the game. Is because part of me was like, oh man, that's disappointing, but at the same time, oh yeah, I'm really curious to see what a next-gen open-world Grand Theft Auto clone looks like, just to, from yeah. a technical perspective. And it really does not look any different than what... I mean, I'm sure there are small details that they couldn't have done on the Xbox 360 or the PlayStation 3, but if you were to watch someone play that game, you would have no idea it's a next-gen game. Um, but it, it's... the. The big thing about that game is the characters and the writing are fucking terrible. So yeah, the main character is like this growling Batman voiced, I'm gonna go get them, I'm gonna go get my revenge. Yeah. And the characters are all completely vapid, and this really shows, this is the kind of game where it really highlights how you can have a game that technically is really well done and, and, and nicely polished, but if there's no soul to it, then mm-hmm. why are you playing and even gameplay mechanics aside, yeah. like, the gameplay mechanics could be more interesting, too, because, like I said, the hacking is not really... It's nothing like real hacking. It, it, you essentially just have a magic cell phone that just, like, makes random shit. Like, this game could almost be a fucking Harry Potter game. You could almost be, yeah. like, a death... Uh, what are the bad guys that follow Voldemort? Death oh, Eaters? A Death Eater? Yeah, you could you could almost just be a Death Eater just, who decided to take a vacation and fuck up the Muggle world for, for 20 hours. Because you're just walking around like, oh, I'm going to make those steam pipes explode. Oh, I'm going to make that generator explode. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's just like, I don't know. It's not the, it's, it's, this is, it's, it's, it's funny too, because this is a little bit like the first Assassin's Creed game where you can kind of see the potential for the sequels. Mm-hmm. But whereas the, the, the bad thing about the first Assassin's Creed game was they had built this big world, but it was completely empty. Right. In this one, they've successfully replicated, like, the Grand Theft Auto formula with all kinds of cars, and there's plenty of stuff to do in this game, but with no soul or no interesting characters or no good writing or no reason for you to be doing what you're doing, 
And even if they just made a sequel where just even from a gameplay perspective, it wasn't involved that much, but if they just had someone competent and actually like creating the world and actually creating a character that is interesting to play would actually be a huge thing. But that's just, there's no reason why that couldn't have been there to begin with. It's not, it's not like a technical limitation or anything like Mm -hmm. that, but... But, I don't know, anyway, I, I hate to say, I'm not saying it's a terrible game, it's just a really bland game. It really is, yeah. it's Grand Theft Auto without a sense of humor. Yeah. Which is as as crummy as Grand Theft Auto's sense of humor can be. Yeah. Um, at, at least, be, that's better than nothing. Except, the one thing I did find in, in Watch Dogs, which is actually pretty funny, which actually goes to almost like a Saints Row direction, is there's these drugs... There's these guys uh, scattered throughout the world who will sell you sell you drugs, mm-hmm. and you can pick which kind of drug you want to take. I think they're all psychedelics, but like different drugs to give you like different psychedelic experiences. And mm-hmm. these psychedelic experiences are the game's excuse for you to just do crazy world breaking shit, like fight oh, giant yeah? spider monsters. Oh or Jesus! There's yeah. one where you're just bouncing on giant flowers through the environment. Not even okay. fighting anything, but you're just, like, falling and jumping on these giant flowers that just sprout out of the buildings and stuff. And that is super cool. That is something, like, I've, I've never done in a video game before. And it's super bright huh. and colorful, and there's crazy calliope music and stuff. And that is that is the coolest part of the game that I've seen so far. But when th- that's done, you're just back to, like, okay, I gotta go steal his car. Oh, yeah, I gotta go get my revenge. I'm this yeah. generic guy in this black... And, like, the main character, too, it's... <sighs> Whoever this game almost almost feels like an old man's idea of what they think young kids would think a cool twenty first century hacking protagonist would be. Oh yeah, and it's very hot topic and kind of like cynical Ugh. and stupid, and it's just like anyway. That's that's Watch Dogs. You can borrow when I'm done. You might want to see it just to see what like for what it looks like. I mean, you know, the draw distance is nice. The tires mm-hmm. are, are perfectly circular. Well, that's what I wanted again. You know, it's, there's no jaggies, there's no polygons. It's just like, I don't know. The soundtrack is... Oh, this is the other thing. Soundtrack is terrible. Oh, It's seriously? all like Nickelback. And like, well, it takes place in Chicago. So there's a little bit of Chicago blues mixed in. But it's mostly like, again, this is like an old man's idea of what they think the, the kids, the quote-unquote the kids will be into. Where it's the mostly just like... At least, again, at least Grand Theft Auto has a wide variety of different music stations and stuff. Yeah. This really just does have, like, the most, like, top 40 music from, like, 2006. So thanks, Watch Dogs, for reminding us of why Grand Theft Auto is good? I guess so, yeah. Um, yeah, if, if, if... It sounds like they're uh, they're gonna come out with a Next Generation remake of, of GTA sometime this year. And if that comes out and you have to decide between GTA Five remake or Watch Dogs... I can't go for the GTA GTA Five remake. I guess I don't know. Man, I haven't uh, been ha- haven't had a lot of time for a lot of gaming this week. I've been socializing a lot this uh-huh. week, but I did finish the latest episode of Wolf Among Us. So, what episode is then? Uh, four, four out of five. Oh. Is that how many stars so, you're giving it? I'm sorry, what? Is that how many stars you're giving it? Are you so, still werewolf? Yes, he's okay. still wolf. So the thing that. Uh, I have played a lot of Telltale games, and as much as I like them, I am a detractor in in the way that only someone who's played a lot of their games and who feels really emotionally attached to the genre can be. Like, I think they do a swell job, but sometimes I'm a pretty harsh critic just because I 
I've, I know enough of their tricks now and I'm, you know, I can see the seams and also I can't help but hope that it would be a little more. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't help but be sometimes a little cranky about it. Well, just to so, reiterate your history with with these guys too, it's not like you've just been a fan of them since The Walking Dead. You've been a fan of these guys since the Bone game, since the very first yeah. things I've ever done. Yeah. I have played every Telltale game except for Back to the Future, Jurassic Park, and their um, Law and Order games. They made Otherwise, Law and Order? Yeah, or really? maybe it was CSI. I don't know. They made they made. Oh some my god! Because you think any game where you get that like, man, you know what? Actually, playing a lot in order game where you're playing as Jerry Orbach would be fucking fantastic. <laughs> uh, anyway, whatever the fuck, I think it was CSI. Now that I think about no, it, but anyway, like like you like you know, like you would start off every episode with like a new ridiculous like you know body hanging out of the tree and like your first your first uh, dialogue choice in every uh, episode. Is like you make a, a uh, weird a witticism about the horrific crime you've just discovered. So one of the things that uh, I sometimes gets to me about Telltale is that um, there's a very particular kind of art direction that, for all their disparate worlds, there's still a Telltale House style that shines through. Sometimes I think to the um, detriment of yeah. the game, and uh, that really bothered me with Wolf Among Us is that the the wolf the um, the woodsman one of the first characters you meet in the first game looks like such a telltale character that I was really annoyed actually it kind of took me out of it but because he this... looks like kind of like a Rankin Bass character that kind of like... no he he looks like like a character you could take him and with a different mod shader plunk him in a um, Sam Max game. Plunk them in the yeah. fucking first poker game they made back in the day. Like, it just looks like a Telltale character. And I didn't want to be reminded of Telltale in that moment. I wanted to be in the world, and it took me nah, out that's of the true, world. Yeah. So, but this episode, this most recent episode, had two of my favorite character designs I have seen in gaming in a while. Much oh, so le- definitely in a Telltale character. Um, they were just really very different and alarming while still being very in-world. Were they human uh, characters? One was a human character. Uh, it was the Crooked Man. And okay. the other was the Jersey Devil. And they were just really well done. Wait, the Jersey Devil shows up in the game? Yeah. It was very cool. That's pretty it was cool. Very, very cool. Does it take place in Jersey? No, it's in a... It's all the people, all characters in this world are mythical characters. I think the Jersey Devil just hangs out in Jersey. Like, was he, like, you know, if he's not in Jersey anymore, then he's just the devil. Turns out that the Jersey Devil runs a pawn shop in New York. That's... Oh! That's actually kind of clever. Yeah. So, anyway, it's, uh... I I really liked those designs, and it was a good episode, too. So, I'm... Wolf Among Us... It's one of those things that is so many things I like that, again, I can't help but be a little more critical of it. It's uh, a werewolf down in his left detective who is pining for an impossible love and uh, chain-smoking and solving mysteries and roughing things up and dueling with his inner beast and telltale adventure game. Uh, did you play... But I, I really do enjoy it. Did you play the most recent uh, Walking Dead episode? Yeah. Uh, what'd you think? What choice did you make at the end? Because I've seen everyone complaining about the choice at the end, where everyone seems to be making the same angry choice, and so few people seem to be taking the reserved choice. Whatever the hell ha- is happening in that episode? Oh, uh, I... As I'm assuming Clem gets angry at somebody? Well, 
I think we, we had talked about this when I had played the episode, I think, last week. Um, where it was, there's this thing in playing Clementine that's kind of similar to at the end of Red Dead Redemption when you play Jack Marston. Yeah. There's this moment of you have been this innocent that the character you have been trying to protect, mm-hmm. but once that innocent is on their own and in tough situations, there's kind of this weird instinct to go the opposite direction and double down. And just Being a super a, badass? A murderous fuck. Yeah. Well, it's nice to have that character not? actually, like, you... you it's nice to think that character would have some kind of uh, uh, agency. So it's nice to see, like, see them kind of like actually, yeah, 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 be a little bit. Of a I, I still think that Clementine being a protagonist is a not. I don't know if it's paying off quite as much as I would have hoped in a perfect world, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. Okay. But at the end of the day, I I think I'm just. I'm not a big I'm not a big zombie person, so like I, I play all of those Walking Dead games between clenched teeth, you know. Yeah. I'm still amazed so. at how much I just don't care about that playing that game. Not I mean the first season was such a perfect self-contained little yeah. nugget. It doesn't need a follow-up. And we've talked about this multiple times, but yeah, I just I still I'm kind of waiting to see what the reaction to the last episode is because I think wasn't it also the next to last episode of The Walking Dead that I believe so. Yeah, assuming yeah. it's five episodes. Um, yeah, maybe I'll wait until to see what people's reaction to the finale is, but maybe I'll go back and play it someday, but, yeah, like, yeah, it really feels like that whole story kind of wrapped up. I mean, uh, you could always tell more Clementine stories, because it's not like, you know, all the characters die at the end of that that first Walking Dead uh, game series, but it's, yeah, that that, that, that game was really of such a piece that's... It is cool to play a weak small girl in a world like that. She, like it, that's cool. Do you think they're taking not... the most advantage out of having a protagonist like that in a game like that? No, no. See, then that that's the bummer. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, uh, Bill, tell me about Mario Kart Eight. Mario Kart. Oh man, Mario Kart Eight. Mario Kart Eight. That's all I have to say. It's more Mario Kart. It's also a good. Well, I I, I guess I'm gonna say more now. Uh, Mario Kart 8 is very good. There are two kinds of Mario Karts. There are the good Mario Karts, and then there are bad Mario Karts. Technically, the only bad Mario Kart was the last console Mario Kart, uh, Mario Kart Wii. Did you play that at all? No. Uh, just because... I haven't played a Mario Kart except for, um, the Super Nintendo Mario Kart. Which is the shit. And, uh, the, one of the DS ones yeah the 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 well there's only one like you know what looking back it's weird there's only one mario kart for every console so there's only like one ds mario kart game actually of all things entertainment weekly this week had a great uh like infographic write-up about the history of mario kart uh Mm -hmm. using uh the rainbow road from at the end of the first mario kart game as a graphic to show just kind of like the general just history of all the mario kart games and when they came out and the like what each new mario kart game brought to the series and stuff it was actually very nice uh, but yeah, this is a very good Mario Kart game, um, which, which, like I said, is not saying much, because all but one of the Mario Kart games have been pretty good. Although I guess the Mario Kart game for the Game Boy Advance, a lot of people don't like that for some reason. Uh, but yeah, no, this is... You might actually... This this new Mario nope. Kart for the Wii U, nope. actually, uh, there's a lot of homages nope. and stuff for the very first Mario Kart, so you might actually mm-hmm. kind of get a kick out of this. There's, there's a lot of tracks, a lot of I music. I would enjoy it. Like all other kart games, for the first ten minutes, and then I would never play it again. Um, unfortunately, uh, the best Mario Kart game in the world is that Mario Kart DS game, just because you play as Rob the Robot. You cannot play <laughs> as Rob the Robot, but 
It's, I give uh, this uh, game zero out of one Rob the Robots. Yeah. The lowest possible marking I can give. Oh, I'm trying to think there's any characters as cool. This is the game where you can play as all the Koopa Kids, though. Like, all the Koopa Kids. Not just, like, one or two kids, but, like, all, like, 12 Koopa Kids are in this goddamn game. That's kind of um, great. But, no, it's... it's um The game's super goddamn beautiful. It looks like what I always imagined the Mario world looking like as a kid. But yeah. it's in a video game, and it's very pretty. All kinds of uh, awesome bloom lighting. Uh, a lot of the music is... They, they have, like, organic, like, real-world music. It's not just all just MIDI bullshit. Um, yeah. A lot of the courses are really inventive because it's, it's all topsy-turvy, and you're, like, anti-gravity and stuff like that. And, yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's it's just really fun. Uh, the thing that kind of ruined the last Mario Kart game, the Mario Kart Wii, for, you know, for the original Wii, was they really dumbed down the game to appeal to kind of the Wii audience of, like, uh, people who don't sure. usually play video games. Yeah. And they made it so they they made it so it was really much more luck based. Like sure. you, you're winning or losing was really dependent on which items you get and right. uh, really the game leaned really hard on the blue shell, always destroying whoever's in first place in order to kind of empower everyone else. And this right. game still has it. It has the blue shell and stuff, but it does some this seem to revert back to more like the skill based Mario Karts, which is right. kind of nice to play. I it's I mean it's nice to play for. But it's still loosey goosey enough that like you could be a person, someone who doesn't play these games very often and still do pretty mm -hmm. well. Yeah, you're probably not gonna. I don't know. And I'm 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 always of two minds about Mario Kart because I do appreciate yeah. a game that rewards skill, but at the same time, Mario Kart does invite a lot of non gamers to play it, or at least people who don't play as well as hardcore Mario Kart fans like yeah. me. And you want to empower them. You don't want to alienate them but by just driving them into the ground because they're not as good racers as you are. Exactly. But I don't know. It's 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 kind of weird. But who knows in the long run how well this game actually skirts those issues. Yeah. But I, I'm having fun. Let's, let's put it that way. That's um, the important part, Billy. Yeah, I, I was in a... The Player One podcast had a uh, tournament on Friday night where it was 12 life people in a in a seemingly never never ending series of online races i yeah. had to bail out after like an hour hour and a half because it didn't seem like this tournament was ever going to end we were all accruing <laughs> points and stuff like that but after like an hour and a half we'd all played like each track like three times yeah and i wasn't quite sure what was going on i was getting my fucking head kicked in i was Oh man, I, I'm terrible at Mario Kart, but <laughs> it is fun playing online. Well, this is also the other thing. This is the first Mario Kart uh, console game that with an online feature set that actually works. Uh, Mario yeah. Kart Wii was online, but that that barely worked for a lot of people. Oh yeah, this 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 is much more consistent. Yeah, up to twelve people, and when you get twelve live people in a Mario Kart race at the same time. Oh, it's yeah. super fucking chaotic because everyone's just flying around and screaming and yelling and honking their horns and just... Yeah. It sounds like a whole bunch of Bill Mudrin's racing. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you, got, you got Toad screaming. You got Daisy yelling at people. Unfortunately, she doesn't say, hi, I'm Daisy. She just goes like, ah! Aww. Oh, what's, what's the, the point of that? that? You can race as your Mies? Oh, seriously? Yeah, and depending on how hot, how tall and how fat you made your me, that that... Uh, that that's what determines their weight class, and so if you have a little yep. person, they're like a little Koopa person. So they're really they don't go very fast, but they're super maneuverable. Uh -huh. But if you uh, choose a big fat person like my me, I'm a big fat. I'm like Koopa Donkey Kong class. Like, and your voice changes. Like you know, he just has like this pre baked in like voice. And so like the little person, their voice is like. Get and so That's the big guy, like me, my voice is like. <laughs> I sound like this big retarded guy. It's fucking hilarious. 
But so well, what the what the one racer I really like to race as as I forgot I have a Miyazaki me. And yeah. so my favorite race car is this little pink kitty cat race car. And with it's being driven by Miyazaki and when he races he has this little pink helmet and he has a little kerchief. Aww. Like a little speed racer kerchief. I guess all the character, all your me characters will have a little kerchief that like blows in the wind as you race. It's totally like a Bailey, like your cat, the kerchief you make your cat That's wear. That's adorable. But like, there's something so hilarious. And I, you can take that footage and upload it to YouTube so you can share it. So I've got like a couple YouTube clips on my YouTube channel of like just Miyazaki just, you know, running around all these like Mario Kart That's cute. And stuff like that. I want to play as Annie and upload some of that just so you're like, you can see what it looks like what Annie Maloney's race the raceways. Yeah. I gotta get in on this. Yeah, it's very yeah. cute. Uh, if you next time you ever come over, you want to check it out. It's pretty cute. Uh, like I said, I will play it for fifteen minutes. Mario Kart. Mario. Well, that's the thing too. Like everyone seems to play Mario Kart just long enough to kind of unlock everything, and maybe you'll play some of the online stuff, and then you kind of forget it, and then you're just like, when are they, when are they gonna come out with Mario Kart for the next system? Where's Mario Kart? <laughs> Despite the fact you already have like eight Mario Karts you can play, but you know. exactly. Anyway. I ate all the Mario Kart. Mario Kart. Okay, Bill, tell me about your weird triple feature. What's my weird triple feature? Totoro singing in the rain, Turning Point. Yeah! Oh, well, I already talked about Turning Point. That's the Miyazaki uh, book. Did I talk about oh, that? Oh, that's a book. For, oh, for some reason, my brain turned that into Vanishing Point. Isn't that a car movie? <laughs> yeah, that's the that's, movie that the car talk, from Dead, Death Proof is. Did they actually talk about the movie in Death Proof? Because I can't remember yeah. if they actually mentioned that out loud. Oh, Fucking that's that's the whole point. Yeah, vanishing point. Says Zoe Bell repeatedly. <laughs> uh, no, for oh, because it was the end of May. I have my uh, yearly tradition where I watch uh, My Neighbor Totoro because that movie takes place in May, and the two girls, the the two sisters in My Neighbor Totoro, their names. Well, one's actually named May, and the other one's Hitsuki, which is the Japanese word, the old Japanese term for for the month of May, I guess too. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got it's funny because I bought the Blu-ray last year, but I didn't get a chance to break it out until now. It was actually in the shrink wrap until I opened it up uh, this week, and I uh, crack it open the shrink wrap. I didn't realize for the first time I don't have I don't have the, the the box with me. But if you look at the My Neighbor Totoro cover art for the DVD, it's you know the famous scene in My Neighbor Totoro where the girls are waiting at the bus stop with Totoro in the rain. Yeah, uh, the cover only has one girl. And the one girl is a mix of the two girls. It's the little girl with the older her girl's head on top. What? So I guess when when they when they were first uh, writing Totoro, there was only supposed to be one girl. It wasn't a pair of sisters. The whole story is just about this like one five year old girl. And they decided it would be more interesting if you had instead of one one girl just running around by herself, if you had a pair of sisters interacting and do, doing kind of sisterly stuff. And so the, yeah, they, they split the character in half. And, but I, for some reason, the cover art still features the original one sister, which is kind of like a weird transporter malfunction combination of both sisters, which is just That's kinda, delightful. Uh, so that's My Neighbor Totoro. Annie, uh, do I have to, this is part where I just reenact all of My Neighbor Totoro for you because you've never seen it before. That's correct. I'm absolutely ignorant of the ways of Totoro. Oh, man. I don't own any Totoro dolls or figurines yeah. or anything like that. What um, got you watching Singing in the Rain? I was so traumatized by the. This is the one thing about Totoro in HD. You totally get to see the cat buzz's balls. <laughs> <laughs> you forget there's one shot where the cat yeah. buzz jumps off a power line at the camera, and he's got little cat buzz balls. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hilarious. I mean, you can see that on the DVD version, but in HD, it's like you can see the texture, the weight. 
They're kind of jiggling independently. It's just horrifying. And then a little girl gets on, and then I'm like, I don't know how to feel about this. saying this now just to drive Annie bonkers. So, no, uh, Dylan and I were hanging out yesterday, and for some reason I just decided to throw on Singing in the Rain. Oh, we were, weren't we talking about Singing in the Rain last week? Uh, we mentioned it briefly. For, I, I think we talked what the about... context was. Was it, was it we were talking about Transistor, and she doesn't have a voice? Yeah, and that's like, what it was. And so that got me yeah. wanting to watch Singing in the Rain this week, so we watched it yesterday. And Dylan points out that where, she, where is Gene Kelly going when he sings Singing in the Rain? Which I never thought about this before. It totally blew my mind because. So do do you remember? It's been too long since I've seen Singing in the Rain. So Singing in the so the whole Singing in the Rain musical number is the thing right before it is Good morning, Good morning. They're hanging out at uh, Gene Kelly's mansion, and that's where they come up with the whole idea for we're going to turn the, uh, the, the 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 singing cavalier into a musical. Yeah. And that whole musical number, Good Morning, is them kind of congratulating themselves on being so smart about, like, you know, turning this this failed silent movie into a musical. Uh-huh. And this the whole song and dance number ends. And then suddenly you, you see Gene Kelly kissing, uh, what's her name? Good Night. Uh-huh. And then he's dancing on his way away from her. And you're like, he can't be going home because he just left his mansion. Because she's, he's kissing her Good Night. It's just a really weird, crazy thing. Uh, he is going out to have his morning cocktail at the bar with the boys. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. Where's he going? It's the rain. (laughs) Dylan said that and totally broke the movie for me. It's ridiculous. (laughs) I'm shocked. Shocked that a movie musical has eternal logical inconsistencies. We did spend the whole movie talking about how much we wanted to bone Gene Kelly, though. Dude, Gene Kelly, man! He does he have an my... ass like that's like two apples fighting in a burlap bag. That he's he was one of my first crushes when I was a little girl. Really? So yeah. was he was he gay or bisexual? Uh, I know what little I have learned about Gene Kelly's real life. He seemed like he was kind of a turd, so I didn't want to learn. Oh, really? Anything what did he do? Gene Kelly. No, I, like I just said, I don't want to know anything about Gene Kelly's real life. Because I just want to think about him from Singing in the Rain and that terrible Three Musketeers movie. <laughs> Did and... you know that Stanley Donan, who co- uh, co-directed that movie with him, is still alive? No. We should go talk to him. It's very, like, the guy who co-directed <laughs> Singing in the Rain is still kicking. That's amazing. And we were kind of like, we were, so we were watching Singing in the Rain and we're like, uh, it's just, the, the, that movie's takedown of silent film tropes is so hilarious. And it's, yeah. it's, a, it's especially funny because that movie was made in like 1952. And so the whole advent of silent, or of sound of talkies was only like 25 years prior. Yeah. And so actually all that, like, it's, 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 the, so those, those, the, the people who worked on the movie pretty much had to live through the events of that film. Yeah. Uh, and like in order to make that movie, I just kind of like I don't know the perspective about like Singing in the Rain's context and cinematic history is is just kind of interesting that way. But yeah, no, that movie is fucking fantastic. One of the best movie musicals ever. Even and though it's so it's so great that it's such a good movie musical when literally the context of its creation was they were given a list of songs and told to write a movie around it. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, you know yeah. what the one the funny thing is I've seen the first three quarters of Singing in the Rain a billion times. The last quarter I barely remember what happens because <laughs> what so right after Singing in the Rain there's a musical number about how great musicals are and it's like yay Broadway yes. 
and it yeah. is totally the uh, what's what's the musical from? It's the, mu- the Shapoopy. It's the Shapoopy, uh... where it's the completely superfluous musical number where you're just like, why am I fucking watching? And I can almost never make it past that number. Seriously? Yeah. You can't make it through what's her butt looking all banging and seductive. She's and banging and seductive, but a good song for. Also, what is the context for that musical number? He just kind of like has a has a weird wet dream about dinging, uh, banging Sid Charisse. What, what cracks me up is that I think the context of it is he's pitching that musical number. Yeah, but then he lives it for 20 minutes. He lives it for 20 minutes. See, <laughs> I, I have a low tolerance for Shapoopies, but I love the set design of all that. No, it's gorgeous. And, like, I love that music and shit and all that. That dancing is phenomenal, so yeah. I'm going to give it a pass. You know what? That, again, not to keep on talking about Blu-ray stuff, but that's a movie that would look fantastic in Blu-ray. Is it on Blu-ray? I would imagine so. They were talking about... Um, I guess they discovered when they were trying to remaster the movie for Blu-ray that they found out the original negative got destroyed in the fire decades ago. No. So they had to like repurpose the elements and, and rescan them for I don't know stuff. But ah, it sucks. But you know, single the right. There is movie. a 60th anniversary Blu-ray. In fact. Oh, that makes sense. Because if that came out, oh, that must have been like two years ago. Because if they came out in 1952, man, Donald O'Connor, make him laugh. God yeah. damn that musical number! Like the whole last shot too, where he's really throwing himself off the walls and just like, it's very goddamn cute. Singing in the rain. Uh, I'm sure we're the first pe- uh, people in the world to ever talk about it, but just throwing that out there. And also, what's her face? She's so Debbie cute. Reynolds. Yeah, Debbie Reynolds is great in that. She movie. got like a little cherubic face, and she's all like, "I'm yeah. gonna sing with you, and I'm gonna dance." Yeah. She's cute as hell. Well, I, I need to add that to my wish list. That is a that's good, a good feeling, have. good time, like old timey musical, like yeah. in the best way possible. That's one of the best. What, it, I think it is the best, actually. What do you? Th- what do you? As far as movie musicals, what do you think the contenders to the crown would be uh, if if not singing in the rain? See, that was such a huge part of my childhood, so I have such huge nostalgia associated with yeah, it. But it's good though. I think it's singing in the rain is one of those things. Even nostalgia aside. On its own merits, it is fucking rock. Well, see, I I'm very I, I, didn't, I didn't see Singing in the Rain until like 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 a decade ago. Yeah. So see the the big the big the Annie Maloney canon of movie musicals are Singing in the Rain, Seven uh-huh. Brides for Seven Brothers, and Guys and Dolls, and The Music Man. That those are the Louis? ones we watched all the time when I was a kid. Oh, and Thoroughly Modern Millie. <laughs> Not meet me, meet, uh, meet me in St. Louis is what I'm saying. Meet me in St. Louis also isn't that. So yeah, that's it's correct. like the seven, those seven musicals. Yeah, me for me, it really is Singing in the Rain, Mary Poppins, Music Man. Uh, uh, I'll, Tod- I'll I'll put Wizard of Oz in there. Were you about to say Sweeney Todd? Well, I was well, I was gonna say Sweeney Todd, but that's not a movie. It's a mu- well, it is a movie, but the movie's fucking terrible. Uh, How could that? Oh wait, no. Oh, see, I said the canon of my childhood. Oh, canon of my childhood. Oh, you're say, talking like, about movie musicals. A canon of my childhood. It's that. Well, that's like fucking Mary Poppins, man. That, that yeah. pretty much begins and ends with Mary Poppins, unless you're talking about Sesame Street or Muppet Babies. Anyway, so man, now I really need to watch Singing in the Rain. I just added it to my Amazon wish list. If anyone wants to indulge <laughs> me, I'm the worst. The worst. Hey everybody! How we're take that, a little break. How, how do we not just have a link to your to your wish list on the on the Boy Howdy page? Not like a donate to Boy Howdy or anything, like, but just Annie's wish list, just like right up, like linking up the top. Who wants to buy me the last <laughs> terrible Lone Ranger set that I don't own yet? Is it on your list? Let's see. Oh man, that uh, that Sing in the Rain Blu-ray is 4K. Really? Oh, hell. Yeah. 
Oh man, yeah, imagine Gene Kelly's butt in 4K. Hell yeah. You know what? I want as a movie just two hours of Daniel Craig's and Gene Kelly's greasy, oiled, naked butt cheeks just like slamming against each other and just like caressing. Kind of like, what? Well, it's, it's, it's tribalism for hot butts. Hey everybody, we're gonna take a little break and then we'll be back for the Geek Week interview. That's it? Tributism. So last night, Joshin Bahar and I were flipping through YouTube stuff, and we found a channel of someone that had just uploaded a whole bunch of 80s uh, kids' uh, children's programming, like kids' cartoons uh-huh. and stuff. Uh, just just like in half-hour chunks, complete with commercials and everything like that. Oh, seriously? Yeah, and so uh, this, someone had uploaded an episode of The Care Bears from 1986, complete with commercials and all the stuff, and every goddamn commercial is either McDonald's or candy. <laughs> Yep. Which, not to say, you know, it's, I mean, sometimes you see a little bit on, on children's programming these days, too, but it's funny, like, and I wonder how I was fat, because I, considering I was 11 years old and probably watching that broadcast. Didn't they, I think they eventually passed legislation about. That's what happened, children. yeah, so now what, what these days, you get kids' TV shows, except the commercials are still McDonald's, except McDonald's is like saying, we also have apple slices. Uh-huh. And instead of candy, it's like granola bar commercials instead, or like yeah, it's it's that was kind of a funny blast from the past. Man, YouTube is great. Yeah, if you ever just want to like relive your, no matter how old you are, these you're likely to find clips of cartoons you may have watched as a kid as broadcasted with all the commercials. Like I'm sure Annie like there's probably Disney Afternoon. Well, maybe not Disney Afternoon stuff because I'm sure Disney the copyright stuff with that they they would be able to ban those uh, YouTube uh, YouTube clips, but other You'd stuff. Be surprised maybe about the shit that slips on there, my friends. Maybe some pinky in the it's brain. YouTube. Man, so uh, friend of the podcast, Grumpy Turtle, commented uh, that I could never buy any Lego because it would cause her to lose interest in them immediately. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Daniel? I cannot. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for inviting us to your wedding party, Daniel. Uh, I'll totally go if Annie can give me a ride. We'll give you a ride. Okay. Yeah, we already RSVP'd that we're going to go. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Uh, that's the only uh, thing that sucks uh, when I'm invited to uh, social events around town is I don't have a car, so if it's too far out, I'm like, hmm. Well, that's my thing. Last night, Foley and I went to this um, one place. We were we were made, we were kind of scouting out to see if we would want to get married there. And it's a 30-minute drive outside of Portland. And it's kind of in the middle of nothing but a bunch of, like, strip joints. and Or, like, uh, uh, convenience what? strips. And, uh, what the uh, hell like, place uh, is this? It's, uh, I didn't mean strip joints. I meant, like, uh, convenience stores, like, um, strip malls. A strip like malls, yeah. I was <laughs> getting married Excuse at the Acropolis. Me. Excuse me. No, we went out to the um, Cornelius Roadhouse Pass or something. Yeah. And Embry Hall, which is this beautiful octagonal barn and um, this cool old house. It's a McMinimins joint. Oh, okay. And um, uh, I, I kind of have been known to harsh on McMinimins only in that it's kind of, like, the fast and cheap and easy thing to do if you want to get married. Not to, I mean, not to say that it's cheap, but it's kind of like the most convenient thing to do. So there's a part of me that's like, I don't know if I want to get married in the exact same way and fashion and place that like I can think of eight or nine people who have as well. But uh, on the other hand, so I was like, well, maybe let's do a different place. And we drove out and the barn is cool, but it's a little too rustic for us. So anyway, why was I talking oh, really? about I this? I think it's all about rustic. 
I want to do, like, a dapper wedding. I don't want to do, like, uh... We were talking about it, and, like, if we did that, we'd do, like, a more rustic thing. But we want to do, like, a stylish dapper uh, wedding Do you guys want thing. to get married at Guardian Games? That's it. That's it. Oh, man, Daniel said he's trying to get uh, Delta Cafe to cater their, their wedding party. Okay, Daniel, I'm double down. Which one's Delta Cafe? Hand. Delta Cafe is my favorite uh, breakfast joint in town. I didn't know they did catering. Weren't you talking about you're trying to commit so, uh... I just, man, I am having a mild morning stroke. I have not, seriously not had enough caffeine this morning. What's your wife's name? Foley? Foley. Weren't you trying to convince Foley that breakfast for dinner at your wedding would be the way to go? We're, I Which think we're going to do a brunch. Be. I think we're going to do a brunch. Yeah. We may actually have a wedding party in, like, kind of around noon or one and do brunch. Yeah, so what would be, would it be like, uh... Oh, you gotta have, like, omelets and stuff, right? Yeah, shit, son. Think of breakfast food. Would you, would you have the Delta All Cafe that cater that, too? I didn't even know they did catering. I might, actually. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Get some it, beignets up in this shit. Is it too late to just merge your wedding with Daniel and uh, Kelsey? <laughs> uh, man, so I... Uh, I don't know. I already told that story last week. Never mind. Uh. So, anyway, enough wedding talk. Last week, when we were talking about wedding stuff, I saw Bill visibly lose interest and start looking at other things right before my eyes, so I'm not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> okay, uh. let's get back. Hey, everybody! Welcome back to the Boy Howdy Podcast. After that refreshing little break in which Bill played some sort of ridiculous music interlude, it's time for the Geek Week in review. Ra- Reading Rainbow did a Kickstarter, and they are doing Gangbusters. Oh, God, how much have they ranked up by now? They asked for $1 million. They got $1 million within 24 hours. Yeah, it was, I think it was within uh, 12 hours, actually, yeah. So let's see. Reading they Rainbow are... Kickstarter. They're at $3.2 million. Jesus Christ. How much did, uh... How much did Double Fine make? Because uh, I saw remember. some people projecting this to be the most, uh... The, like, some people are sus- uh, suspecting this is going to turn out to be the most profitable... Uh, not profitable, but uh, the biggest money-making uh, Kickstarter ever. Actually, I need to go to Kick Track and see... How much money? Yeah, they... I think I think the most successful Kickstarter was like thirty two or Kickstarter was like thirty two million or something. Because wasn't Ouya some ridiculous sum? Of money oh yeah, some like kind that. of tech thing. Or wasn't what's the video game about space that has made like literally like seventy two million dollars? Oh, Star Citizen. Or yeah, but that's like not that. just Kickstarter. I think that was also like Indiegogo and yeah. a whole bunch of different things. Like like it sounds like I don't know. It almost seems like people have been invested in that game. Not just like it almost seems like they have like like equity. Like like I don't know. Um, let's see, Reading Rainbow at Kick Track. So, I mean, that's very cool. Uh, I'm kind of surprised they didn't think about bringing uh, Reading Rainbow back via Kickstarter a little while ago. Um, let's see. According to Kick Track, uh, which Kick Track is not necessarily accurate, but <laughs> it's projected towards making $23 million if it keeps on going yeah. at this rate, which it's not, because it's still got the Reading Rainbow Kickstarter still has 31 days to go, but... Um, yeah, they, they just want to, yeah, they just want to bring back Reading Rainbow as a web app and, uh, you know, try to distribute it free to schools. Um, I saw someone yesterday talking about how their Facebook friends were complaining about the fact that Reading Rainbow is soliciting donations for anything because they think Reading, uh, because Reading Rainbow was free on PBS before that should be free now. People are idiots. Yeah, it's just you fucking morons. People are idiots. It's just 
I, I, there's nothing even needs me more said about that, but just uh, you know, I think if anything, like the the longer I live, the more I realize that people fundamentally don't know how things are made yeah. and how much things should cost. And Bill, I gotta say, you're included in this too, my friend. Oh, so you're like twenty dollars for a video game. What's the what the hell? Wait, what's... when did I say that? You said that all the time, Bill. No, I don't care about how much it makes. I just care I care how much it costs. I, I'm, like, I'm aware of how much, as someone who makes his living right now, like, I just literally paid my rent with a check, uh, that I, that was generated by me working on a video game. I understand yeah. how video games, how much video games can cost. I just it's also think some video games also charge too much for what they're fucking asking. It, 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 depending on what marketplace they're in and stuff, so. But, uh, yeah, it's like, people who, are, like, it cracks me up. I was looking... And to be fair, sometimes I'll go on the opposite side of the spectrum, too. Because I was looking at uh, table lamps the other day. And I found this one La Ralph Lauren oil derrick lamp that actually was pretty cool. It was Is that like moving bronze. parts? No. It was like basically like the column of an oil derrick without, where the top, instead of being the oil derrick, was actually uh, just a lampshade. Oh, okay. And I'm looking at that, I'm like, man, cast bronze parts, and it's actually really good casting. I could totally see that it's going to be pricey. And it was like a $900 table lamp. And that was definitely one of those moments where I'm like, I can see that this is an expensive thing to manufacture, and to manufacture well. But on the other hand, fuck you. That's what I'm saying. Like, a lot of times you can justify the expensive price tag you've, you've slapped on something, but at the same time, I think you can get, like, if you... If, if, if you don't have the proper perspective, you can lose track of how much you're actually charging for something in a realistic yeah. marketplace. Is, 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 is tends to be my well, issue with, with pricing of some stuff. Sometimes it's not, like, to be fair, the, the demographic of that oil derrick lamp is not me. Oh, a yeah, person who makes, you know, as little as I do a year, relatively speaking. Yeah. That is definitely targeted towards the person who makes... In the, you know, six to nine figures a year. Yeah, that's that disposable that income kind of, like, uh, impulse purchase for some people, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, no, it just, I can't believe that. Of, of course there would be people complaining about just because something seemed to be free before, despite, you know, these people not obviously realizing how PBS works and that yeah. it's funded either by the government or donations. They, uh, the, I mean, these, are, these are people who think that, like, just because they see it for free on television that it must be produced by... Like volunteer labor or something. Like I don't understand like how they're thinking about how the world works. Is uh, I guess these are people just like passively consume media in such a in such a passive way that they've never really considered about how anything they consume that isn't paid for is generated. It's just really weird. But, well, you know. it's I mean the, you get this all the time with Kickstarter where people are like you know they they're like I don't or like for example there were layoffs at Harmonix this week and some friends of mine were Layoff affected of what? actually. There were layoffs at Harmonix this week. You mean Harmonix? Whatever. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. That just kind of keeps harm. I've never heard anyone pronounce it Harmonix. I've never said it out loud. No, that's my a... point being. I'm just saying it's a really good cereal from the makers being of Checks. Motherfucker, <laughs> is that people were like, "Oh, they just had a Kickstarter close. Why yeah. the fuck would they have layoffs?" That was bad timing, though. Well, the thing is, is that. A that they said, but they've been pretty open all along that they they have multiple projects going. They're yeah. probably going to have to have some readjustments. And B, when you have three active teams working on three active projects, and one of those active projects is put on indefinite hold, 
It has nothing to do with your. Wait, what was put on indefinite hold? Chroma. Chroma was put on indefinite hold. What was Chroma? It was their um, uh, freemium uh, massively multi. uh, No, excuse me. um, uh, Arena shooter with music. It was an open. Oh, yeah, uh, no, we talked about that. Oh, I didn't realize. Did they say why that got shut down? Um, they're just going back to the drawing board. That also it? seems like a crazy, from an engineering perspective, a gameplay design perspective, like, how the hell do you even make that work? It sounds very cool, yeah. but, like, I could see why, <laughs> like, what was, like, two months after the announcement, they're like, uh, we don't know if we can actually make this work. Well, they've been working on it for years, and like I said, it's been on a public alpha, and they've been doing oh, yeah. tests. It's oh, a, I didn't realize you got that far. It's a very, um, a very sweet spot they got a hit, and so they're, they put it on hold, and, but people are flipping out, they're like, they just raised $750,000, how are they having layoffs? And layoffs suck, I'm not, and like I said, I know some folks affected, and it's a shitty situation, but people don't, like, it's just like, barely squeaking by your initial stated goal on a Kickstarter is never anyone's ideal. Everyone is, like... Like, here is the bare minimum amount of money that we need to do this, but really we have to reach X stretch goal to actually be able to yeah, do I'm this. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to have to, like, uh, raise their own money, invest their own money in getting that game made. Because, yeah, uh, less yeah. than a million dollars for even a small game, like a do- downloadable title like this is supposed to be. I mean, video yeah. games, let's put it this way. If you have a video game on consoles, it's going to cost millions yeah. of dollars. And here they were asking for less than one million dollars. And so, yeah. yeah, this is, this is, that, beyond <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, too, like, online I see a lot of people, especially younger kids who are trying to get into the game industry, I see one of their arguments for why why they think game uh, creation should be cheaper, because they'll say, well, I would work on that game for free. And suddenly yeah. they think that everyone is desperate enough to work on a game, that, like, like they, they wonder why not, not everyone is working on that game for free. Yeah. Because it's game development. You should be able to suffer for your art. And these are these are like often the kids who are like living at home, don't. subsidized by their parents, <laughs> yeah. who don't understand like what the, like what the real world is like, and it's it's ugh, fucking and they throw their voices into the situation. It's just like oh my god, I just want to fucking beat you guys with a fucking. Well, that's hammer. the thing of having a DIY generation. Yeah. As bad as that is, it also sometimes undervalues things, you know, yeah. or causes people to undervalue things. It's like, well, I can do that. And it's like, well, yeah, think about, like, if your money, if, if time is money, yeah. and it takes you, ex- like, it's one of the things that Foley and I keep talking about about painting, we need to paint the interior of our home, and Foley's like, we can do it, we can do it. And I, it's one of those things where I look at her and I say, I know that hiring painters is not inexpensive, but the emotional and and time cost of doing that is, to me, greater than the cost yeah. of hiring Especially because I know fully, painter. like, she'll get into that, like, a day and a half and she'll want to punch a hole in the wall just because something will go wrong. Yeah, it's, it's at oh, that no, no, point... No. She, she actually is a painting Sherpa. Oh, no, I'm she sure she's good at it, but I can see at a certain point, like, it's very... that that That's a... You, when you're trying to paint your own house for free because you don't want to pay painters, you're asking for some kind of Ralph Cramden shit to happen. Where something's no. gonna go wrong, where you're like, oh man, I wish I'd just thrown down the couple hundred bucks just to hire someone to do this. Anyway. Yeah. So, anyway, Grading Rainbow Kickstarter, doing very well, very excited, it's doing very well, congratulations. Why are they asking for money when you can read for free? <laughs> Why should we pay Reading Rainbow to read to our children when we can do it for free ourselves? Speaking of lavish expenditures of money on things that don't matter, uh, Kim and Kanye West got married this last weekend, and it was batshit. Did you read any of the details about this? 
Did you see all I saw? This is all I needed to see was Jaden Smith's yeah. white Batman suit that he wore to the wedding. And so, well, news came out about how fucked up uh, Kim Kardashian. Uh, the, I love that. We were, we're not one for like uh, celebrity gossip or much on this uh, on on this podcast, but I do love this. Is totally newsworthy enough for us to talk about. So, the, yeah, there was a big breakdown that somebody actually cut and pasted in the Gaff of all places about how bonkers their Italian wedding was, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West, and uh, the breakdown of what happened would just seem so insane. And I remember one of the more ridiculous parts of it was. Jaden Smith in a white Batman outfit. Yeah. And which I thought maybe this guy has to be making shit up because it sounded yeah. like the like Christmas vacation of weddings. Yeah. And no, uh, the picture started to leak that seemed to confirm like at least like, yeah, Jaden Smith in a goddamn white Batman outfit. And there was all this yep. stuff about how I guess they had, they you know, because I guess the wedding took place on some kind of like mountaintop of this tiny French island. And because it's this, or a tiny Italian island, and because it's a tiny Italian island, there's no plumbing or anything like that, so they had to bring their own toilets. And so instead of just having porta potties, they just they brought in this giant like fifty foot by fifty foot golden cube filled with toilets. Yeah. That something like went wrong with the toilets, got all fucked up, and then Kanye West like literally four days before the wedding commissioned ten marble naked statues to be sculpted, custom sculpted for the wedding. Four days before the wedding, he wanted ten custom-sculpted marble statues, and the people who were sculpting them, uh, ten of the statues, they uh, uh, broke in half, ten of the statues never got finished, and and uh, ten of the statues were quasi-finished with no heads, but they were still so fucked up that like they were only able to deliver the, 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 the ten statues, and they looked so ugly, Kanye just had them like stashed in a corner somewhere, and just all kinds of crazy shit. Something about Kanye West decided... That there was, like, one of the bars at the wedding, uh, which, again, all this shit, shit had to be shipped in by this giant crane because this is not, this is, like, a wild little island, mountaintop island out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, they, like, this bar, he thought, looked too much like a Wild West saloon bar, so he decided he, that it needed to be cut in half to look more modern and more minimalist. And so he started sawing this, this bar in half by himself. And like when people are like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "You don't under under uh, you don't understand my minimalist style and all this crazy shit." It's fucking it just. I, it doesn't even matter how much of it is real or how much of it's hyperbole. But just reading about the wedding is like it's like like short. It's a great short story in itself. I'm just saying. I'm glad all this news came out just in time for me to plan my wedding. Yeah, I could take so many notes. Golden toilet check. <laughs> Golden Giant marble statues, check. Annie, do you mind if I show up at your wedding dressed like white Batman? Um, everyone, is, it's actually mandatory white Batman wedding. <laughs> it's the context. Uh, Thank you. Well, the other thing, about, one of the things they talk about, not only did Jane Smith show up as white Batman, but then he was also, like, throwing his cape at people and being, like, crazy bratty and insane. It's just, like... I, I, I love stupid celebrity shit like this. I don't get to indulge in in, in, in reading about this very often, but... Which, man. by the way, was very telling by the fact that the best link that you had in the show notes to sum it all up was NeoGAF. Yeah, NeoGAF! <laughs> but that just shows how great the story was. You know what the funny thing? Well, originally, I was going to link it to the original article, which was, what, like page six, which is like a big British tabloid. And that's the thing with tabloids, you can never know how much of that shit is real and how much of them just making As shit up. As opposed to NeoGAF. Which that, well, that is perfect. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Bill. It's a perfect fit, though. You know, come on. 
Uh, but yeah. Hey everybody, in other news, Valve's Steam Machines have been delayed to 2015. You know what, it was funny because the, uh, the original report was that their controllers had just been delayed. And I was like, what? Because uh, the controller seems to be the whole point of the Steam Machine. Yeah. And so, yeah, it turns out the actual announcement did announce to both the Steam Machines and the controls, but it's funny that most of the video game websites, for some reason, I guess because they already have PCs, the only value they see in the Steam Machine is in the controller. And so most of the headlines were just Valve controller delayed to 2015. So I had to click through the links to go back to find the original uh, uh, press release to find out. Yeah, no, they actually announced the, the, the machines themselves, the consoles themselves are being delayed, but no one cares about that because they only care about this controller. Well, to be fair, Bill, the, the it's literally just a computer you plug into your television. I know! It's like, Which, that's not I mean, the exciting part. The exciting part is the controller, is the idea that you won't need a mouse and keyboard. Man, to think a year least, ago we were yeah. excited when they announced this, we were thinking, oh man, maybe this is it. This is going to be our solution to get into PC gaming. And uh, You know what? I'm actually kind of hoping maybe by the end of the year to actually finally pick up a gaming PC. Yeah, Foley and I are talking about it actually for the same reason. It's yeah. like there's just too much, too much I want to play on a PC that I just can't. Yeah, and it's just and especially with the new consoles not kind of being kind of crummy so far. Also, it's problematic for me to play Fallout Two without being able to use any of the save game editors to boost my inventory <laughs> holding amount. So, so is this gonna be our like our our twice yearly thing where we ask people for our uh, how to build your own console? Well, what are you thinking about? <laughs> uh, you, are you going to build your own console, or are you going to go that way, or are you going to try to do, like, what What? What, what, what would your solution Bill, be? Bill, you are officially asking me way too much. We've gone through this before, and I don't know what I'm going to do. Probably what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask a friend what would you do, and then just fuck, post off of it. Fuck this Lego movie shit. We should just ask someone to build us, like, two copies, just, like, two, like, homebrewed gaming PCs, and we could just pay them, like... Whatever. I don't know. That's, 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 that's what we should be asking for help on. Boy, how do you fuck Lego stuff? Battle Cry was announced this week. So I love this. This is my series of feelings about Battle Cry. It's like uh, Bethesda announced a new publishing venture. I'm like, oh, yeah, Bethesda I went through this too. Yeah, published some good things. Like it's a World War One game, and I'm like, yeah, oh. ears perk and like, up. And, and an alternative world where gunpowder has been outlawed. And I'm like tentatively grabbing my wallet. And they're like, it's an arena, arena game. And I'm like, put my wallet away. It's like, free to play. And it's like, closed tab. <laughs> Especially, did you see any of the footage of what the game is actually like? I don't object to the aesthetic, necessarily. It's like some steampunk bullshit. It's an alternate world about melee World War One. This... How would that not be steampunk? This has much to do I... with World War One stuff as fucking Team Fortress does with actual, like, like the Gulf War. <laughs> But, I, you know, I, I think that... I don't object to steampunk as long as it's thoughtful steampunk. Oh, I want to fuck steampunk in the ear. Oh, I see steampunk and this. I just fucking... My balls just rise up into my mouth. But, yeah, it just genuinely... It's like... I, I, I should have complained. I'm getting Valiant Hearts, which actually looks like a game about World War One that I'll actually Wait, like what's that play. for? Uh, all consoles. I think it's the next um, UB Play venture after um, Children of Light. Or oh, Child it's Light, that game. Well, okay. Yeah. So I realized that was uh, still coming but, out. Yeah, fucking battle cry. I could not. Ugh. It's everything that I'm not interested about in gaming in one big package. Oh well. Uh, the next battlefield game is about cops and robbers rather than soldiers. Yeah, just weird to see like uh, such a known. I mean, battlefield's always been about soldier stuff. I mean, it originally started off as World War II stuff, and then once Call of Duty Four got big, they you know made the modern warfare stuff. And it's interesting to see them kind of like they—they're still calling it Battlefield, though. 
It's mm-hmm. called Battlefield Hardline, and yeah, it really is just you're, you. You can either play as cops or or or. or uh, some people were just talking about their gang members, which made it sound more uh, racially charged. I don't know if that's true, but yeah, no, it's interesting to see uh, the first-person shooter uh, genre starting to branch out, like, at least branch out away from just strict military stuff. Um, although playing as cops in a in in a first-person shooter like this, where like a big console release thing, I don't know. It sounds like there might be some weird political weirdness in the future for this if they don't handle the. The, 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 the subject material. Yes, because shooters are famous for handling nuanced material with a soft hand. Which is why yeah. we both want to play Wolfenstein 3D. I that like yeah, that's uh, we'll have to see what the game actually is like. Yeah, Battlefield games are pretty fun. I've played a couple of them myself. No, nothing's gonna trump the Battlefield. Was it Battlefield 1942 where you could fly airplanes and stuff? That was fun <laughs> as balls. But, I don't know. Mercedes DLC for Mario Kart 8. Yeah! So, this is part of Nintendo's thing of, like, we're trying to, like, license out Nintendo stuff. And there's a Mercedes commercial in Japan now that features Mario. Did you see the clips from that where it's, like, a realistic super macho Mario? Driving Mercedes. And so, what Nintendo's getting out of that is, yeah, like, Mario Kart 8's gonna have DLC where you get to... It's not even a kart. It's just... A Mercedes car that's kind of like it's not even like super deformed to, to be like a cartoony Mercedes. It's just like Mario just sitting in a very tiny Mercedes car, just like driving and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. It's kind of stupid, but it's also kind of I don't know. It's just interesting that Mercedes would partner with Mario Kart. Yeah, well, I guess I know that there's. I mean, I guess they figure if you're old enough to have grown up with Mario Kart and if you have disposable income, maybe. You want to buy a Mercedes car, I guess? I cannot think... No, that's not true. I can think of one person I have ever met my entire life who plays Mario Kart and cares about Mercedes. Wait, who? Uh, it's a friend back in Texas. Oh, I thought, I thought there was going to be a punchline to this. No, okay. no, I'm just saying it's like... Those, that's a Who cares very, about Mercedes? There is a tiny sliver in that Venn diagram. No, really, but... Well, I mean, that's also another thing, like... Uh, also just, uh, a big company kind of, like, realizing that video games, it doesn't necessarily, like, you know, using a video game company as a marketing partner doesn't necessarily mean that they're just targeting, targeting, uh, targeting, something at kids, which is kind of interesting to see. It's funny, there's a new Chase Bank TV commercial that's been playing a whole lot recently, which is playing on video game nostalgia, where they're kind of making it like, oh, you can get credit and earn rewards, it's like as easy as playing a video game. And it's totally, like, it's marketing shit towards me, where it's somebody, like, banking stuff, where it's like, oh, yeah, we'll just pretend you just pretend banking is, like, a video game. It's that simple. And obviously that's not for kids, but I don't know. It's a video game I suck at. Why can't I turn on my financials in the easy mode? Annie, I was looking at my credit report this week. Technically, I have good credit. Hey, congratulations. Yeah! I'm trying to figure out what, like, does that, do I get something for that? No. No? Nope. Uh, you are now slightly less poisonous to do business with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going no. to send... Oh, I was going to send a letter to the government asking them if I can get that Lego set I just ordered, the Ghostbusters one, for free for having good credit. I'm going to say, <laughs> Mr. Obama, I did my... I'm trying to help with this economic recovery for our country. Uh, to, to Well, we got to bolster ourselves before we enter our economic war with China. That's right. That's when I'm mostly enter. trying to have a baby to brainwash him to hating China? <laughs> 
In other news, the dude who made Anchorman turned down Ant-Man over money in the unsalvageable new script. They went to Adam McKay to direct Yeah, what else has Adam McKay made? I don't know this guy. He's He did uh, Step Brothers. He, he did... made Step Brothers? Yes. He did. Um, <laughs> Actually, like, seeing him direct a Marvel movie would be kind of interesting. All of the good Will Ferrell stuff. Really? Oh, I didn't realize. He was an Anchorman. I didn't realize he was the Will Ferrell's dude. He, I think he was a writer on SNL for a long time. Yeah. Actually, uh, Will Ferrell as Ant-Man would actually be kind of funny. See, well, the thing is, he's, he has a lot of experience with Paul Rudd, so logically... Oh, and that's the thing. connection there? Oh, okay. But yeah, so, but, so he announced on Friday that he was a contender. He was, like, the Disney's lead choice. And then on Saturday morning, 24 hours later, he tweets out, like, Oh, I'm not doing it. Fuck it. Goodbye. Uh, <laughs> so the rumors are that supposedly once you got to uh, look at the script... And so supposedly it's it, he it's been labeled as uh, being unsalvageable the the the, mm. the new script that Disney commissioned that essentially drove uh, Edgar Wright away from the project, and yeah. uh, also the fact that like I guess Marvel uh, barely pays any of its directors any money, and yeah. so I guess both of those things, so, which is funny just to see somebody go from tw- within twenty four hours going yeah I might direct Ant Man too, ah eh, fuck it, <laughs> so I don't know my, yeah Marvel sounds like they're fucking up this Ant Man situation. Uh, yeah, because everyone, you know, that's that was just a situation where people were barely interested anyway. I know because uh, there's so many people out there so worried about that they're 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 not gonna do justice to the best Ant Man story arcs out there. See, there's a kind of a part of me that was kind of glad when Edgar Wright uh, got out of there because Edgar Wright makes these great movies that no one sees because they're too niche. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't want to make a fucking Ant Man movie. <laughs> But it'd be a movie someone actually gets to see. No. Man, we'll see how Guardians of the Galaxy pans out. This is going to be very telling of what happens next. Um, uh, let's see. Ignoring the Fantastic Four during Marvel's 75th anniversary question mark. This was Bill's note on the show notes. What does that mean? Oh, I'm sorry. You broke up there for a second, so I lost track of what the conversation was. Oh, ignoring um, the Fantastic Four during Marvel's seventy fifth anniversary? Question mark. Oh yeah, so I guess um, this is the seventy fifth anniversary of Marvel. It's either the, this year or next year, and so Marvel unveiled a whole bunch of promotional materials for the seventy fifth anniversary, and it had none. I think it had Spider Man, but it had none of the Fantastic Four, and so the rumors are that uh, Marvel's trying to. They're so upset because who makes the Fantastic Four movies? It was Fox, wasn't it? Yeah, they were so upset at Fox that they didn't include any of the X-Men or the uh, Fantastic Four in any of their, like, anniversary promotional materials. The The rumors escalated since then that Marvel is thinking about canceling all the X-Men comics because they what? think that Marvel, that selling X-Men comics is just, like, essentially free advertising for X-Men, for, for Fox's X-Men movies. And so then, so they don't want to do that. That sounds officially bonkers. Wow, that's a weird. That sounds that like also, officially made up. Like that, someone. However, how interesting would that be that Marvel would be forced to kill one of its cash cow pr- franchises in order not to supplement another company's interests? Yeah, that's an interesting scenario. If, if true or not. It's. I mean, there seems to be like there. There's. There seems to be at least a little something about this by the by the fact that they don't have X Men uh, characters like you know just on the promotion materials for that stuff. But that may be all. Just who, who the fuck knows really what's going on there? But it does kind of like prick your ears up a little bit. Like what the hell's going on over there? 
Crazy bullshit. Marvel's Loser is fucking shit. Sony Pictures is shifting all of its animation for its animated features from LA to Vancouver, which is part of what Variety is calling the full collapse of Hollywood's animation and special effects industry. Yeah, it's it's pretty well documented now that like uh movie studios in their drive to uh drive down budgets for their like these gigantic, you know, like quarter million dollar budget movies are like leasing most of the special effects talent to uh, companies outside of Hollywood and outside of the United States, um, and so yeah, the it's funny that the actual visual effects industry, visual effects and animation industry, feature animation industry in LA is to- supposedly completely falling apart right now as a result of this because everything's like if it's not getting uh, bumped up to Canada, it's all getting bumped up to overseas and. And it's 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 weird to see Sony officially say fuck it. We're not doing any uh, any more in-house American animation anymore. Even though we're still coming out with all these animated movies, so mm-hmm. kind of sucks to be a anyone who works in the CGI industry in Hollywood right now. You're 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 kind of hurting. Dang. So it's like I feel like all the industries that I love are really volatile and poisonous to people involved in them. Well, because all the industry, because like the people, like I guess companies that make big budget shit. I mean, they're still companies, and so they're always still just thinking about the bottom line. Oh sure, and the nature of comics, games, and movies is that you're only worth you're only worth anything for the project that you're working on. Yeah, exactly. As soon as that project ends, you are useless and dead weight. And gotta get kicked along. Yeah, so... And there's been a whole bunch of uh, movie special effects companies that have gone out of business in the last decade as a result of all this, like, all this work being shuffled overseas and stuff. And, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's it's just... Not to say that Hollywood deserves to have all that work just because, oh, it's Hollywood, oh, it's American, but it's funny that this is a birthplace of cinema, and this is just kind of, I don't know. Well, maybe not the birthplace of cinema. That would be the Lumiere Brothers, but I don't know. That's just kind of a weird situation. So It sucks to see any industry collapsing like that, or any kind of regionalized at part of an industry kind of like just to suddenly fall in such sudden, crazy hard times. That's, well, dude, it's the nature of our modern world that's that we've why, created for ourselves. That's why Steve Wolfhart's getting out of there. He, he, does, he refused to be a cog in that Cartoon Network he machine. He doesn't want celebrities touch his butt. Yeah. That's what it's all about. <laughs> There's our niche joke for people who follow Steve Wolford on Twitter. All right, moving on. Uh, Amy Poehler's autobiography is coming out in October. It's called Yes, Please. Just, yeah. I, I, I The audiobook should be fantastic. I, yeah, I'm excited that she got a book. Have you seen the trailer for the movie that um, David Wayne <coughs> is doing with Amy Poehler and Paul Rudd? Wait, who? David Wayne's? Uh, David Wayne. Wait, who's David Wayne? The dude who did um, Wet Hot American Summer. No, and you know, Baxter, I still have never seen Wet Hot in American Summer. It's a ridiculous movie. I've heard good things. They're talking about they're going to make a prequel, where, even despite the fact that movie came out like 12 years ago, the characters are supposed to be playing younger versions of themselves. Oh, it's fantastic, actually. So I'm really excited about this movie. Fully and I were watching trailers yesterday. They're making a movie called They Came Together. It's about Amy Poehler and Paul Rudd having about 80 billion meet-cutes. Just like, and it seems to be very much so along the tone of Wet Hot American Summer. It's got her girlfriend. Million what? Meet cutes. The hell's a meet cute? In romance and rom and rom coms, the way characters meet 
is always like some sort of cute, quirky sort of thing. They're destined to be together. It is called a meet cute. They have short term memories, and that's why they're always like, "Hey, how you?" Doing? Well, it's it's just it's riffing on rom coms. So okay. it's like they keep running into each other. Like, oh my gosh, you're at the bookstore. I love books. I never what? met anyone who loves books. Why do they continue to make romantic comedies when the best one ever made, You've Got Mail, is still out there? It's the <sighs> Alpha and Omega. How can you improve upon that? It's got Dave Chappelle in it. I'm really excited about this. The, uh, David Wayne and Michael Showalter also wrote The Baxter, which is a, a beloved is these guys of rom-coms. That's pretty lines. okay. Yeah, yeah. But they're they're he's a dude from the state, dude. I know. I should. know Michael Showalter. Aren't you a yeah. state person? I don't know. That's why. Anyway, um, was it also what's his name from Brooklyn Nine Nine in the state? A little pudgy face dude. Yes. I need to get yeah, back and watch Brooklyn Nine Nine. That's what Clemente Johnson oh, was telling us. Beautiful ladies. Bill, tell me, explain to me this note you added to the show notes. Oh, no. How to most efficiently hold a hamburger according to Japanese scientists. Oh, okay, so Japanese scientists, uh, they, I guess they decided this. we're going to spend a couple million dollars to figure out what's the best way to hold a hamburger while eating it so it doesn't fall apart. And mm-hmm. this is this is going to be hard to explain to people listening to the audio version of the podcast. So what it is, you pretty much hold a hamburger like the way you normally would, except your pinky, you also slide under the hamburger along with your thumb to support the rear end of the hamburger that's farthest away from your mouth to keep, like, you know, the, the ass end of the hamburger shitting itself out all over your lap or whatever. Oh, oh, I see. So the pinky is hooked under. Yeah, it's hooked burger. under along with your thumb. And you're essentially creating a... Uh, a hamburger undercarriage. Yeah, you're clamping the... down the burger. Yeah, okay, which, is, kind of clever. which is funny. You think that would be one of the first solutions? Because if you're worried about, like, if really the worst part of holding a hamburger is you're worried about the back end, the bottom bun of the back end is going to fall apart or, like, you know, open up and barf itself out. Yeah. So. Bill, I love that last week's podcast, the backdrop was the sound of my cat purring, and this week's podcast is the sound of birds freaking out in your backyard. Yeah, they're half a sex. It's a beautiful morning. <laughs> Birds fucking. That's oh, it. you know, I'll go to Mary Poppins. Except she would have a bird land on her finger and she'd talk to it and scream at it about sugar. And I'm just like, man, fuck birds, fuck. Do it. Make some eggs. <laughs> and finally, Bill always likes to end the show on a high note. Rest in peace, Michael Gottlieb, direct, writer and director of Mannequin. <laughs> Which is terrible that his death is kind of just a punchline of itself. The guy who made Mannequin is dead. Um, he also made, what was it, The Nanny? Oh, he did The Nanny? And wait, uh, Mannequin movie. I was looking at his credits. Oh, I had his credits up right before we started filming. Um, let's see. He did Mr. Uh, he, he, he did Mr. Nanny with uh, uh, Hulk Hogan. A Kid in King Arthur's Court. Oh, wow. A Shrimp on the Barbie? Also, he's been confused because I guess there's a Michael Gottlieb who also worked on a whole bunch of video games, and people are confusing him with that. And uh, so, so his Wikipedia page says he made uh, made Mannequin, and then he made a whole bunch of Mortal Kombat games. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, you think just by looking at that alone, you might think, there's something wrong here. I don't see how someone makes the leap of like, oh man, I'm going to make a movie about a mannequin comes to the lap and has sex with a guy. Also Mortal Kombat. Finish you. Finish you. Well, I think... What happened was that he, um, the company that makes Mortal Kombat was uh, owned by Midway, and Midway, yeah. are they, were they a part of the, like, the Williams Gottlieb pinball company, and I think that maybe the name Gottlieb got mixed in there with, like, someone thought he was, like, a video game person. I don't know, something like that, so. Uh, there we go. Have you ever it's seen Mannequin? 
Not in a long time. Oh, but you have friends. seen it though. I think I caught it like a TV version. It's I fucking caught, like, horrifying. Oh man, who's the gay guy mannequin that that was a kind of the breakout character from that shit? I do not remember my friend. His name was like Broad Street or Fakeway or something like that. It's like With George that, Lucas name. Hey everybody, this was the Boy Hattie Podcast or at Boy Hattie Podcast on Twitter. Howdy at boyhattiepodcast.com is a good way to email us. You can also use the contact form at boyhattiepodcast.com. Join with us next week as we talk about more pop culture garbage. It doesn't really matter. I'm going to leave you with this one thought that um, a friend of the podcast, Jonathan Santiago, commented on our Hangout as we're broadcasting, which is, quote, Every Batman is white Batman, if you think about it. Oh! We'll talk to How funny next week, is a friends. small black child that played white Batman? <laughs> Oh dear. Are we not gonna talk about Are we gonna talk about uh Orange New Black coming back on Saturday? Orange New Black coming on Saturday. These are in depth commentary about Orange New Black coming out on Sunday. Hey guys. Oh wait, Saturday. I love that you will not let me close or transition or anything without Wait, hold on. Wait. Hold on. Annie, what are our E3 predictions? Anyhow, how much is Mortal Kombat 5 going to be? <laughs> I, it better not be more than $20. <laughs> <laughs> Annie, what's your favorite DLC of 2016 going to be? Tell me now. Annie, have you watched Game of Thrones? <laughs> Annie. <laughs> and you watched Mad Men? Oh, Game of Thrones is coming back tonight, though. Uh, it's going to be the Red Viper versus the Mountain. I hear it goes well for both of them. Also, Tyrion's I about... close the podcast. I'm done. No, this is no, don't do that. Also, uh, uh, just uh, uh, Tyrion's in trouble. I'm just saying. You really don't care about Game of Thrones anymore, huh? I tuned out, dude. That's that's totally fine. It's uh, you also read the book, so it's not like you're like really yeah. dying to know what happens next. No. So what do you what are you up to this week? <laughs> Let's talk. It's only uh, it's not even noon yet. Um. Just Legos, Legos and wedding planning. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I actually just got a notification from eBay that I lost bidding on the uh, Lego Western minifigure banker. Oh, well. How much is that going to be? I refused to pay more than $2 because that'd be total $5 with shipping. <laughs> it yeah. went for two fifty. Can the local used Lego shop, can they uh, do any special orders for you or anything? Well, what you they just have special. whatever they have. Like it's not like they. they I mean, it, they're not gonna special order old shit, like weird shit. Andy, I want to make a Jason Statham movie. That's that he plays you, and he's just trying to get like the most valuable Legos out there. Oh man, we tried to watch Parker this week. What's Parker? Um, it was a Jason Statham movie. It came out a while ago. Oh my god, the editing, the pacing was the worst. What is it with action movies of terrible pacing? Like, we watched, uh, when we watched In the Blood, that Gina Carano movie, it was not a good movie, but on top of that, the pacing was terrible. From, a, uh, like, a storytelling perspective, not just, like, just, from like action scene and pacing. pacing yeah. It's like, like, there was a, uh, Parker opens with a heist sequence that is about 15 minutes longer than it should be. Really? It's the worst. So wait, worst. that's a Jason Statham movie? Yeah, it is a Jason Statham and Jennifer Lopez. Oh, how's J Lo? I didn't even get to her because it was so bad. This heist was so interminable. 
And after the fallout of the heist, it was just like too much. Not even Jason Statham's beautiful face could keep us on that road. Does he mention having a brother in the movie? What's your joke, Bill? Because, you know, the sequel could be called Parker. <laughs> Can I close <laughs> the podcast now, Bill? Parker Brothers! No, I guess so. Yeah, whatever. Fuck it. See you next <laughs> week. friends, we'll talk to y'all next week. The end. Clang. <laughs> Law and order. Doom, doom. <laughs> <laughs>